0: This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322.
1: 78 years old and facing a life sentence. That's the situation of one U.S. citizen just convicted by a Chinese court. He was found guilty of spying and stripped of his political rights. That's after heading off a number of pro-China groups overseas and visits with Beijing officials. It all started back in spring 2021, though few details are available. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A Chinese court handed out a life sentence this week to a nearly 80-year-old U.S. citizen. Zhang Xingwang Liung is a resident of Hong Kong and a U.S. passport holder. An Eastern Chinese court convicted him of espionage Monday. The court revealed the man was also stripped of his political rights. He is 78 years old. Based on court statements, the National Security Bureau of China's Suzhou City began investing him back in mid-April 2021. That's on, quote, suspicion of spying. He was arrested the same year. No further details were provided. Chinese media reports show that Leon participated in a number of pro-Beijing groups in the U.S., some of which have shown support for issues like the Chinese regime's clampdown on pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong and its territory claim over Taiwan. Photos were also published of Leong meeting with senior officials inside China. Chinese espionage trials are usually held behind closed doors, with little information made public. But it's rare for a Chinese court to doll out such a heavy sentence for a foreign citizen. Responding to a Reuters request, a U.S. embassy spokesperson said it was aware of the case but gave no comment for privacy reasons. China recently amended its espionage law, but officials haven't clearly outlined how the new rule defines spying. It's prompting concerns among foreign residents and companies operating inside China. U.S. citizens aren't the only ones targeted by Chinese law enforcement lately. Reports say a South Korean soccer player is now detained in China, but Beijing denied having knowledge of it. The player is named Song jung Ho. The South Korean embassy in Beijing confirmed that he's been questioned by authorities while in detention. The embassy said Chinese authorities are investigating Song for unknown reasons. Song has been playing for a Chinese soccer team since 2021. He's based in northeastern China's Shandong province. The South Korean embassy says a consul has been providing Song with assistance. Former NBA star Dwight Howard is drawing the wrath of Chinese social media users. The athlete now plays professional ball in Taiwan. Monday morning, he posted a promotional video for the island on Weibo, referring to Taiwan as a country. NTD's Dave Martin has more.
0: Former NBA star Dwight Howard, who now plays professional ball in Taiwan, drew the wrath this morning of users on Weibo, which is China's Twitter-like equivalent for referring to Taiwan as a country in a promotional video for the island.
2: Okay, here we go, right? Oh, hello everyone. I'm Dwight Howard, and since I came to Taiwan, I've gained a whole new appreciation of this country.
0: The hashtag HowardTaiwanIndependence was a top-trending topic on Weibo Friday morning, with users demanding an apology for Howard's support of Taiwan's independence. China's Communist Party claims Taiwan is its own territory, despite never having controlled it. Meanwhile, Taiwan has their own military, currency, and elected government. Amid the furor, Howard apologized, telling Taiwanese reporters that his use of the word country doesn't necessarily mean that it's a country, adding, quote, that's just how we talk. One person who didn't apologize for recognizing Taiwan was Congressman Michael McCall who recalled to NTD the time he led a delegation there. McCall, though, said before leaving, he received a threatening email from the CCP warning him not to go. But he still went. Once I landed on the island, uh, I
3: got briefings from our military that they were starting to surround the island with an armada of battleships. And they were trying to intimidate me, but we're not going to let them intimidate us. And then uh, finally, you know, I was advised that I had been sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party uh, as I left the country, but I had every right to visit President Tsai under the Taiwan Relations Act, Um, and quite frankly, I view it as a badge of honor.
0: Under the U.S.'s one-China policy, Washington acknowledges Beijing's position that Taiwan is part of China, but has never recognized their actual claim of sovereignty over it. Dave Martin, NTD News.
1: A unit of the Chinese Communist Party has supreme access to all data from TikTok's parent company, including that on its U.S. users. That's what a former employee is alleging in a lawsuit against the company. A former executive at ByteDance filed a suit. The company owns popular video-sharing app TikTok. The former employee, named Yingtao Yu, is suing the company for wrongful dismissal. Yu worked as the head of engineering for the company's U.S. operations is accusing ByteDance of a number of issues. The biggest of them, that its Beijing office hosts a Chinese Communist Party cell called the Committee. He says the Committee has, quote, supreme access to all the company data, even data stored in the U.S. The complaint says the Committee can get a hold of U.S. user data through a backdoor channel in the app's code. The complaint also said the committee guided ByteDance on how to advance core communist values. In an emailed statement to the New York Times, ByteDance said it would oppose Yu's allegations. The company also said Yu's employment ended in July 2018, the time frame Yu disagreed with. During his tenure, he worked on an app called Flipagram, which has since been discontinued. China is gaining a foothold in a major German seaport, a major boost for Beijing's global ambitions. After an 18-month tug-of-war, Chinese shipping giant Costco can now purchase 24.9% of Tollerport, a key container terminal in the seaport of Hamburg. The deal is with the port's current owner, HHLA. Let's zoom in.
2: After an 18-month tug-of-war, Chinese shipping giant Costco can now purchase 24.9% of Tullerport, a key container terminal in the seaport of Hamburg. The deal is with the port's current owner, HHLA. Since announcing the deal on September 2021, the company has been pushing for a green light from Berlin. At the time, Costco was eyeing a larger share of 35%. The agreement met with strong backlash from lawmakers led by Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck. The opposition insisted on lowering the share to below 25% out of security concerns. Despite questions and accusations, Chancellor Olaf Scholz, the former mayor of Hamburg, pushed through the Costco deal last October. In April, German security agency classified the Hamburg terminal as critical infrastructure, meaning more restrictions on its acquisition. But it didn't repeal the cabinet's decision to endorse China's investment. In an interview with Politico, German foreign policy lawmaker Norbert Redgen blasted the handling of the deal as unbelievable incompetence. Another politician called out Scholz for repeating the fatal mistakes in dealing with Russia. From a global perspective, the Berlin-Beijing agreement could ripple through neighboring Italy. HHLA owns a 50% controlling interest of the Italian seaport of Trieste. It's another major hub that Beijing is watching closely for its Belt and Road initiative. And Rome is now at a crossroads on whether to pull out of China's ambitious scheme. Experts also warn of the growing market share of China's state-backed Costco. Its dominance could make the company a potential geopolitical tool for Beijing. On top of that, concerns are growing about the safety of foreign customer data and Beijing's ability to access them.
1: Young job seekers in China are struggling to find work. Many say they're now at their breaking point. The country's job market struggles came months after China lifted its strict pandemic restrictions and reopened its borders. Here's more.
4: I went through almost 50 interviews after graduation. Some were just internships. The employers wouldn't pay anything. I graduated from college in June 2022. From last June to this April, I didn't get one single job offer.
5: Beijing's pandemic controls and crackdown on the private sector are weighing on the world's second largest economy. Jobs are drying up, in particular for young Chinese. In March, the unemployment rate for 16 to 24-year-olds hit about 20%, the second highest on record. The peak came in July of last year. In a video posted on social media, a young woman says a friend of hers graduated from Berkeley with a master's degree, but hadn't been able to find a job in China for four months. She added that another of her friends was looking to hire a barista for his cafe. He offered less than $900 per month for a six day work week.
4: Over a dozen applications came in the first day the job was posted. All applicants were college graduates. 30% have studied abroad.
5: Authorities are shifting the blame to jobless graduates, urging them to put aside their career aspirations and take low skilled jobs. But parents are reluctant, given the high cost of a college education. Meanwhile, the disillusioned young adults are losing confidence.
4: I came to this electronics factory after graduation half a month ago. My job is simply to drive screws. I often doubt that it's worth coming here. I tried 5,000 companies, but only got a few interviews. Layoffs and failed interviews drove me to self-denial and drained my motivation. The pressure that came over me kept me awake all night long.
5: With this year's graduation season fast approaching, more than 10 million college students are entering China's job market. That figure, plus 1 million overseas graduates coming back home for opportunities.
1: To persevere in the face of adversity, in our next segment, you'll meet a man who underwent brutal persecution at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party for his spiritual beliefs. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on Ji Guo's ordeal.
6: Electrical engineer Ji Guo learned about the meditation practice Falun Gong in 1995.
7: And at that time, one of my classmates in my uh, dormitory, and he he began to practice Falun Gong and introduced it to me. He played often the music in my dormitory, and so I like this peaceful music. And after that, I began to practice Falun Gong.
6: Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a spiritual discipline and meditation practice with moral teachings based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. After its public introduction, it spread rapidly throughout China in the 1990s. By 1998, more Chinese people were practicing Falun Gong than there were members of the Communist Party. The CCP did not like that, nor did it like Falun Gong's strong emphasis on high moral principles. It launched a full-scale brutal persecution of the practice in 1999. Zhu Guo was arrested for practicing in a park soon after, and imprisoned in a forced labor camp for two and a half years. Guo experienced various forms of torture during his time there.
7: We were tortured uh, uh, by the policeman with uh, um, electrical uh, baton five hours. And uh, he put the uh, electrical baton on my neck and I closed my eyes and I have uh, smelled uh, my skin is burned. Yes, in the air.
6: Guo says the guards put a mirror in front of him to force him to watch as his skin burned. Guo also spent long periods of time in solitary confinement.
7: My, my hand was carved on a ring on the uh, floor uh, the whole day. I cannot stand up and uh, <clears throat> I didn't have also the water and food.
6: Besides being chained to the floor, Guo also spent 100 days cuffed to another prisoner. He was thrown outside in freezing temperatures with no proper clothing.
7: I was forced to, to do the work, the hard work with the other people uh, at the same time.
6: Guo exerted great effort in memorizing all the names of the people tortured and killed. His fellow practitioner, Cao, who was eventually tortured to death, got a hold of a ballpoint pen.
7: And I wrote uh, uh, what uh, I and other practitioners experienced on the toilet paper.
6: After carefully writing nearly 3,000 words of testimony, a fellow prisoner offered to help him smuggle it out. All info was later published online for the world to see. Guo was eventually released after a 24-day hunger strike had him on the verge of death. He now lives in Germany and devotes himself to Chinese culture in his spare time. He does traditional line drawing, calligraphy, and shares pictures of his hometown-style cooking. Guo continues to fight the brutal persecution of Falun Gong practitioners. He has spoken at major events around Europe to tell the world what's happening, hoping that one day the Chinese people won't have to go through the same thing he has for his faith. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: Coming up, the US or China? Which superpower will lead the future international order? That's as issues like geopolitics and energy get pushed into the spotlight. We spoke to Fred Zeidman, co-chair and director of Council for a Secure America, for his perspective. His comments after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. Is the US-led international order coming to an end? And will Beijing pick up the lead? We hear from Fred Zeidman, co-chair and director of Council for a Secure America, to learn more.
3: Energy has uh, is playing such a major, major role uh, in world affairs today. And I think it's enabled uh, the circumstances which are, have, are totally changing. The relationship between China and the United States uh, in terms of a century that maybe arguably is almost a quarter over, uh, but that I truly believe is becoming the Chinese century uh, as much as the Americans. Last century was the American century, both in terms of defense, economic power, you know, all of the issues that create the exceptionalism that makes you a respected world leader. Uh, and those things are all in, in uh, are all in uh, shifting these days, and a lot of that has to do with energy. So, my pleasure to come on and discuss this.
1: In terms of energy, there does seem to be a lot happening. Afghanistan is in the headlines a lot earlier this year. Of course, we saw the Saudi and Iran deal that was brokered by Beijing or by the Chinese Communist Party. And that seems to be quite different from the past where we saw more of a U.S.-led effort in terms of, say, diplomacy or in terms of the Middle East, you had the Abraham Accord. So what do you see happening? especially in the Middle East, between the U.S. and China, kind of taking the role there?
3: Well, v- v- we had a century, for lack of a better word, although uh, we were very much dependent for a great deal of, uh, of that on uh, U.S. energy supply. Uh, and you know, obviously, the United States uh, was the, truly the only major factor in the world because of our military strain. And we talked about American exceptionalism. Uh, And then, all of a sudden, uh, we became energy independent. So not only uh, uh, were we not dependent on foreign oil, uh, we we had no dependence on them. We didn't need to import. We were importing about 25% of our daily requirement uh, of oil from the Middle East which meant we had to at least pay attention to them. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, we get to a point where we see production of oil starting to decrease because of administration policies here in the United States. Uh, Number one, it started day one uh, with the shutdown of the Keystone Pipeline, because so much of this oil that made us independent, number one, is coming out of uh, uh, the Bakken Shale and the formations up in North Dakota, South Dakota, and coming out of Canada. So all of a sudden, you can't get all of uh, the natural gas or oil down to the refineries. There's only so many trucks. There's only so many trains. And, and there's no new pipeline. So all of that starts to disappear. Then we start to get into uh, uh, geopolitical issues uh, and who is standing there. uh, But China, China, the largest consumer and China to this day, I, 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 I can't believe it, but has no internal. When you look at the size of China, it's so hard to believe. That they, for the most part, don't have any natural resource production. So they're there all of a sudden depending on the rest of the world's oil supply. So what happens? We uh, end up with all of the the, uh, nuclear issues with Iran, and we sanction them. Uh, We end up uh, with Russia in the Ukraine, and we sanction them. And now you look at those two major producers, And you look at, and then you combine that with the fact that we're no longer energy independent. So we're still dependent on getting foreign oil from somewhere. We've already uh, cut off Venezuela as well. Well, China doesn't have the issues with these three major producers that we do. So they become a natural consumer for them. They become the major consumer, and the three countries that have been totally impoverished uh, by our sanctions, all of a sudden they're back at full production because China is, again, uh, has a willingness. They have a supply problem, as we did, and now they've got a great source of it because Russia is not uh, supplying uh, all of Western Europe. They still, I mean, Western Europe is still If you look at the NATO countries, if you look at the countries that arguably have been the non-communist countries, except that they have been so dependent uh, on Russian oil and they don't join the United States in support of Ukraine because they can't afford to alienate Russia. So all of a sudden China, who is uh, the, 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 the big money Uh, behind all of this, now uh, has an ability to uh, 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 cement relationships with these countries that are anathema to the United States, but are looking for a friend, and China can be that friend.
1: And Fred, given all of that, is there anything the U.S. can do now to either reclaim that dominance or keep its position? What should the U.S. be doing?
3: Well, th- there are any of a number of things. Number one is we most, must become energy independent again. We cannot be uh, uh, totally dependent on foreign oil like we are now uh, because what happened to us before is the Saudi Arabians uh, and Russians got together, I, I think. I don't know. I can't guarantee there was collusion there. But all of a sudden, on one given day, Oil prices dropped from 60 to 20. Uh, It was was their opinion that they could regain dominance in the energy arena, cutting prices to below where we could effectively drill. And then once we couldn't drill, that oil supply was not ours, right? We were in line just like China was. So the other thing is, and I don't want to say this naively, But I'm I'm presuming that our military edge uh, is still very, very positive. Uh, And that's the other thing we can do. We have got to build our military. We've got to build the will of the people to, uh, 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 to deal with these issues and to deal with world issues.
1: Indeed. Fred Zeidman, thank you so much for your time.